Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Playing rare, classic, and new funk and soul. The Funk and Soul Show with Jamie Stocker. From nowhere Through a caravan Around Campfire light A lovely woman in motion With hair As dark as night Her eyes Were like that Of a cat in the dark That hypnotized Me with love She danced around and round to a guitar melody. From the fire, her face was all aglow. How she enchanted me. Oh, how I'd like to hold her. And kiss and forever whisper in her ear. I love you, gypsy woman. I love you, gypsy woman. All through the caravan, she was dancing with all the men, waiting for the rising sun. Everyone was having fun I hate to see the lady go Knowing she'll never 
never know that I love her. I love her. The gypsy woman. A gypsy woman. A gypsy woman. A gypsy woman. And welcome along to the Funk and Soul Show in another special for you for the month of December as we look back at some of my favourite interviews I have had here on the show over the last few years. Got lots of interviews from the likes of Blue from Incognito, Gregory Porter, also got interviews with Will from the Depth of Northern Soul Club and we've got an interview coming up very shortly from Chair Mayfield, the son of Curtis Mayfield. So to start the show this week there with the impressions and Gypsy Women of course featuring the vocal work of Curtis Mayfield. Now this is an interview that I had with Shea Mayfield back in 2020. He was at this point in time of running the Facebook page he had more time on his hands and was going through some of the hidden tracks and archive of his dad's music history. So this is my interview with Shea Mayfield from 2020. Live at Ronnie Scott's and that leads me nicely into our guest this week. It's the son of Curtis Mayfield, Shea Mayfield to talk about his dad's music and his dad's legacy. Good afternoon. Hey, how are you? Yeah, very well. You? Doing good. It's a pleasure to have you here on the show so let's start off first of all let's talk about the facebook page that you are currently involved with and also the website and things you've been doing over the last few months oh absolutely we're just uh staying safe during these pandemic time and you know i've, I've started doing a, a facebook live post since i've had a lot more free time on my hands and i can do this from home without you know traveling out and about just in the, the whole aspect of staying safe and staying 100 percent, definitely now, is there a team of you involved in it, or is it just yourself, or how's that working out? Yes, I'm I'm very heavily involved, along with our uh, company that hosts the uh, website, the official Curtis Mayfield website, who also does our, our pre-hour work and, and different posts. But between uh, him, there's one guy that works there named Scott and myself. We're the only two who actually do post on the Facebook page, so I'm... Uh, very heavily involved in doing all of that. And something you've been doing on the Facebook page these last few months is doing something called Curtis Mayfield Radio. Tell me all about that. Well, the uh, Facebook, uh, the Curtis Mayfield Radio show that we started, it was an, an idea that came up since uh, many people at the time, which uh, since then it's kind of, you know, people have gone out a little more. But back when we were in heavy um, quarantine, uh, someone brought up the idea of, hey, why don't you do some uh, a little podcast and play some music and just kind of talk about uh, your father's legacy and, and give some personal stories. And, and it was something I was really uh, reluctant to do at first because it's it's way out of my comfort zone of just getting on camera and putting myself out there to the world. Yeah. But eventually I agreed to do it. So. Yeah, something about being on camera is a bit of a strange sensation, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Much prefer behind the microphone being a radio presenter, definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a a totally different, you know, when when you know that that you're looking at that small camera and you you know that there's, you know, a couple of hundred people watching you, it it brings a whole different kind of uh, nervousness to it. But if you tune into the show, you can uh, basically, I I play some tunes, I, I give... A lot of uh, short personal stories of of my experiences of growing up with my father and and times of when I've heard these tunes uh, in my childhood and 
a lot of a lot of personal stories that I like to share with people, and, and people like you know fans enjoy hearing them. So that's basically what can you, what you can expect if you uh, tune in. And how's that experience been for you listening to these songs? And are there songs you haven't heard before, and and things like that, for example? Well, yeah, there there are a few songs that uh, I'll get requests from from listeners in the the comment section, and I put the song, and I'm like, wow, I, I don't think I've heard this one before. It'll be a song that I haven't heard from in a very long time, which you know brings back a lot of memories, and it, it's also been a a learning experience for me because I I'm learning more of my dad's professional life versus his personal life, which is basically how I grew up. Yes, obviously seeing your dad in you know two different lights as such, isn't it? Totally different. You know, it, it seems like every time I do a broadcast and. You know, you, you'll listen to a song or, or even before, when I'm preparing for different pro- podcasts, I come across a bit of information that I hadn't previously seen. And, and it's just because most of his uh, professional career is just not something as a child that you, you bring up to your parents. You don't ask them uh, little aspects and details of their job when you're like, when you're 10 years old, it's just not something that comes up. So it's definitely been a learning experience. No, I definitely, I could definitely get that. You know, it's not until I got older I've discussed with my dad and my grandparents about their career and you know things like that. And obviously, talking about playing music all across your dad's career, you know, was it a musical background that he originally came from, or you know, what's the family story with your dad? Well, my my dad had grew up in a uh, you know in a heavily church type family where, uh, you know, of course you go to a, a black church, you're going to get a lot of music. So he, he sang in the choir okay. and his interest in music kind of grew from there. He picked up a, uh, he found a, an old guitar, which he uh, self-taught and, um, started writing songs at a very young age from what I understand. I think one of his first songs was a uh, gypsy woman. He was, still like maybe a preteen or, or <laughs> he was very young when when he first started getting into music and and then I think he just had a passion for it. Uh one of the stories he used to tell me when I I know I've asked him this question before, why did you get into music? And initially he said he wanted to be a artist, like a, a painter or a sculptor. But he realized that after doing a little bit of research that these painters and sculptures and artists don't really become famous or you don't hear of them until after they're, they're dead. Yeah. So he, he said, well, you know, I, I kind of want to, you know, see a little bit of my success while I'm alive. So he, he went into music, which you know, I thought was always amusing when he told me that story. <laughs> and who was like his musical interest growing up and before he became musician, who did he enjoy listening to? Yes. He, he had a, a very vast, uh, taste of, of music that he listened to personally and, and him and I we shared a lot of uh, a lot of the same taste and, and our music preferences so he would listen to uh, gospel music of course that's where he got a lot of his influence in uh, becoming a musician he was really really big into uh, jazz music and, uh, you know small jazz combos and, and jazz guitar there was there was uh, several several artists that he has introduced me to 
when uh, I was growing up because he introduced me to the genre. And, of course, uh, he he liked to listen to what he used to call long-haired music, which okay. was uh, classical music. And, and you can <laughs> hear that in a lot of his early music, the strings and the harps and all that. All that stuff comes from, you know, his listening to all this different classical music while he was growing up. And then, of course, he was also, he listened to a lot of uh, other guitar players that are, you know, pretty prominent uh, household names. He, uh, I think Hendrix, he listened to some of that. Uh, Wes Montgomery was one of his favorites. He would listen to that a lot. And uh, there's one more that I, I can't remember. It's on the tip of my tongue. Those were all, it was a, a pretty much mixed bag of guitar players that, that he used to like to listen to. Listening to a documentary about your dad just a few weeks ago, and it mentioned in there about the idea that he learned to play a guitar left-handed, despite the fact of being right-handed or something along those lines. You know, what can you shed a bit more light on that? I'm I'm not sure if he learned it left-handed way. I know uh, that his tuning for his guitar was very unconventional. Uh, he didn't tune it to a standard. Uh, I think it, it was uh, C or or. I'm I'm not a guitar player, so I don't know the exact tuning for it. But he used to tune his to an open F sharp minor. Okay. But as far as being uh, left, using a left-handed guitar, I'm not familiar with that uh, myself. Tuning to F sharp, though, you know that really does give you that distinct sound, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It would give you. A, it gave him a, a very unique sound that uh, I remember hearing him talk to a couple of other guitar players uh, later on in his life, and, and they were just kind of baffled on how how all this time they didn't realize he was doing what he was doing, and they were trying to emulate his sound but couldn't. Wow. But, you know, eventually eventually the cat came out of the bag. I'm not <laughs> sure how, how, um, how much of a secret he tried to keep it, but... It, it was uh, one of his trademark uh, sound, signature sound things. So going back to the radio show you've been doing on Facebook in that case, what do you hope to do with this going over the next few months and what do you hope to do with it for your dad's legacy, basically? Absolutely. I mean, my, my hope is that uh, a younger uh, younger generation kind of aware of, of this particular message music, uh, as they call it, uh, that it exists and that issues such as that are going on today it, it's been going on for quite some time yeah and you know this this is not the first time we're being made aware of this but other than that we you know so so right now we're, we're i'm just trying to make you know bring the music to a new generation there are some people that that kind of know the music based off of some of the newer music that was sampled uh, from, from this Mayfield songs, and then uh, I'm, I'm just trying to basically get 
you know, break into another generation to where they'll, they'll know and have a certain, you know, respect for, for people who came along and, and, and had kind of paved the way for other musicians uh, to kind of follow, follow along in its footsteps. And obviously we've come up to a lot of special anniversaries and, you know, re-releases and people who want to discover your dad's music for the first time. Have you got any key favorite tracks or ways that people can start listening to Curtis's music? I think my, some of my favorites, um, when, when I started getting really started paying real close attention to his music can be found and his studio recordings from, uh, which we actually, uh, uh, about a year or two ago, we released a box set called Curtis Keep On Keeping On on CD and vinyl. Those four studio albums on that set are, are really a good starting point. It's, it, I think those are some of the, you'll, you'll see some of the most iconic songs from, uh, and then some not so iconic, but very good that, that I feel like that were kind of overlooked by his career. And then, of course, you know, uh, the Superfly soundtrack, which was, you know, masterfully done, is very popular among uh, even people of my generation and, and younger when they first pick it up and realize how much of an influence that is. And if people want to hop on board and sort of check out the show on Facebook, when does it normally go out on air? Well, I typically do the show every Thursday uh, afternoon at, at 2 o'clock uh, Eastern time. I'm not sure what uh, what time that is over in uh, in the UK. I think that might be uh, seven. If I'm yeah, you're not far off. Our clocks just changed this past weekend, so we're now only four hours behind you. So it's not too okay. Bad. <laughs> well, one uh, two o'clock uh, Eastern time is usually when I start the, the Facebook Live podcast, and I'll I'll usually try and do an hour. I, I take requests, I, I take questions, uh, people want to know anything, you know, uh, personal uh, about Curtis or or anything uh, about his songwriting. I, I try my best to, to answer people's questions uh, the best way I can, and I also take requests, and if you want, there's this particular song that you want to hear or even know about, I'll, I'll play the song and I'll talk about the song, so it it's more. It's kind of a, a, a intimate experience between uh, the listeners because you get to interact with with me and, and listen to some good music. It is great, and I really enjoy obviously what you've been doing with the work, and do recommend anyone to check it out. And before I let you go, obviously I've noticed obviously on the show you are wearing quite a few different Curtis Mayfield T-shirts. Are they available online, or where can people get hold of those if they want them? Yes, yeah, I, I try and wear a different T-shirt. Uh, Every week I do it. We're we're in the process of creating, uh, expanding the the little catalog on there. So uh, you can look for that in the near future. We'll have new uh, shirts and other little merchandise that that people might like to have on the uh, on the Curtis Mayfield site as well. Brilliant. That's at curtismayfield.com. And I see on the Facebook page, you know, people just search Curtis Mayfield and that will appear as the first page as they come across. Yes, it's uh, at Curtis Mayfield Official on uh, Facebook, which, you'll, you know, you come across that, there'll be no doubt that you're looking at an official page. So. No, definitely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you this afternoon, Shay. All the very best with the show. and be nice to talk to you somewhere down the line. 
Oh, the pleasure is mine. Thank you. Thank you a lot.
And then we have Curtis Mayfield there from the 1972 album Superfly, and that was Give Me Your Love. And before that, we had our chat with Shane Mayfield, son of Curtis Mayfield, talking about the importance of his dad's Facebook feed and the importance of Curtis Mayfield in music. So the next instrument I'm going to play for you then comes courtesy of Delvon from the Delvon Lamar organ trio. Had the opportunity to talk to him twice over the last couple of years. The first one was the release of the I Told You So album in 2021, and then last year when they released the Cold Ads Vice album. So this is going to be the first interview I had with Delvon. He talks a bit more specifically about how the band come together, trying to tour with the Hammond organ, and of course that I Told You So album as well. Really enjoyed my time talking to Delvon. Been looking forward to talking to him somewhere down the line and listening to their latest stuff as well. But again, here's our first interview I had with Delvon back in 2021. I'm very pleased to be joined on the line now by Delvon Lamar himself. Good afternoon. Hey, how you doing? I'm not doing too bad. Hope you're keeping well as well. Oh man, I'm doing the same, doing the same. Just keep on keeping on at the moment. (laughs) Actually, that's a new song that we just wrote called that. It's a phrase that sums up this time perfectly. Yeah. So before we delve into the new album itself in that case, and a little bit of background into yourself, how did the group all get together in the first place? And what's your musical history really as well? Well, right now, the current members of uh, Delvon Lamar Organ Trio is me, myself, Delvon Lamar, of course. (laughs) And uh, Jimmy James is a guitar player, and we have a new permanent drummer who just joined us last February 2020. Um, Dan Weiss is his name. And uh, how how we formed was actually my wife. Uh, This whole band, this whole concept was actually her idea. Like, she's been telling me years and years to start my own band because she watched me struggle as a musician and artist, you know, kind of driving my Hammond organ around, not really making any money. And she was basically, man, you're too good for this, so let's, you know, start your own band. And for years, I kept saying no because I didn't want to run a band. I didn't, I want to, I didn't want to, you know, I just wanted to play music. And so eventually I, I said, all right, so... The original members of Delvon Lamar Organ Trio was this cat, a guitar player, Colin Higgins, um, and David McGraw was a drummer. And um, we started doing that, and Colin started getting busy. So I ended up getting a hold of Jimmy James, um, and that's kind of the true form of Delvon Lamar Organ Trio. But all the, pretty much all the credit goes to my wife because like this band literally wouldn't exist without her. Sometimes the spark of the support of a loved one is all you need sometimes just to give you that extra step. Yeah, she she said start the band and you guys just write music and play music and I'll handle all the rest and that's what she did. And so like I wouldn't be talking to you today if it wasn't for her. So one of the clock right back now in that case and what initially inspired you to want to take up and play the Hammond organ and where did you get to learn that amazing instrument in the first yeah, place? Yeah, it is, it is. And it's it's kind of a funny thing because I was a drummer for like a drummer and a trumpet player for pretty much most of my life since I was in j- junior high school. And when I was roughly around 22, 23 years old, I ended up getting a call to play with this organist in Seattle. His name is Joe Doria. And uh, I've never really seen, like, when I was in church, the pastor's wife played organ in church, but I've never seen anybody play, like, jazz organ. It was more head, you know, bebop style um, jazz. And 
when I saw him play that, I was just like, wow, I want to do that. And then, you know, we did a gig every Wednesday for a while. And one day a drummer comes in and sits in and I just asked Joe if I can play the organ. And he said, yeah. And I sat down at the organ and I actually played it like I've been playing it the whole time. Foot pedals and all. It was just, it was natural. So at that point, but I do got a funny story about that because uh, when I started playing organ, I actually ended up finding an organ for super cheap, and uh, I didn't have a van, so I just wanted to play organ so bad that I used to rent U-Haul trucks just to get... <laughs> <laughs> I really want, want to rent this van for, to move my organ around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I used to show up to a gig with like a 26-foot, the uh, 26-foot, I don't know what that is in meters, but... a uh, pretty decent truck. A uh, 26-foot box truck with like one organ in the back of it. That's how I did my like the first year of having a uh, playing organ, so that was pretty interesting. <laughs> and you talk about obviously trying to move it around the U.S. How do you find going on tour with the organ, and have you even tried to bring it overseas and things like that? Um, usually, when I uh, go over to Europe, the, they backline everything, but in the okay. states, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to find good working Hammonds. So I usually drive, like we'll fly the guys out to like the first city, but me and my wife will drive across country and uh, I take my own gear because I know it works most of the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trust your own, own equipment and things like that. They're getting old, man, and they're, you know, they're, they're old and they're finicky, but uh, you know, I know how to do some maintenance, so we've didn't have a whole lot of we don't ever never really have a whole lot of issues with that on the road that's the thing some of these organs are well over 70 years old now they're you know all a manual process aren't they and they really work well together do you think you can replicate them on a modern keyboard or can you not beat that classic sound yeah it is and the, you know some of these keyboards are are they're pretty close but there's nothing like the actual organ i mean it's just it's an entity of its own, you know. Oh, it really is. You can really tell a hammer organ as soon as you hear it, can't you? So let's talk about the new album itself, and it comes out here in the UK on February 12th, and out a little bit earlier in the US, being released on the 29th of January. How long have you been working on this new album, I Told You So? Well, this uh, the I Told You So album has, we recorded that in November 2019. Um, there, there was recordings that we did, like a couple of years ago that hasn't been released uh that we're gonna time release that at a later date but um but when we recorded in 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 november we literally recorded about two and a half three albums worth of music so so all this stuff is going to be time released so we have a a whole bunch of music that's coming out here in the near in the future and you've got some great tracks on there. The first single been released that we played here on the show a few weeks now called Call Your Mom. It's gone down very well with the listeners here. And your album has got a good mix of original tracks and cover versions, which you've been you know, well known to do by this point in time. And one of them is Careless Whisper. What made you decide to pick that George Michael classic and sort of transport it into the Hammond organ styling? Careless Whisper, we actually, um, you know, if, if you ever see a live show of ours, uh, you see a lot of things that we do. We like to you know, mess around with music, quote songs within, like, we'll start with a song and we'll quote other songs inside of that song. And sometimes we'll take that whole song 
and change it and then we'll change it back to the original song you know we we like to mess around with that keep music interesting and and uh that's what happened one day we were we were kind of in between songs and uh jimmy james ended up quoting like a little snippet of that uh careless whispers and uh i don't know i just kind of went for it i've never played it before but i just kind of went for it and just see see what happens so i pretty much hacked my way through it and uh it, it became a thing like we just kind of quote like the just a little snippet of it and uh eventually we were like we should play that whole thing and so we started playing the whole thing in it and it became like one of the favorite songs, uh, my wife's favorite songs that we play because I don't know. And when we played that tune, man, it's like the audience goes nuts every time we play that. It's got quite a cult following even to this day. You know, people love it. Yeah. So it's my wife's number one requested song. She always wants us to finish the night with that tune. So we've been doing that. No, it's a really cool version. I recommend anyone to grab the album and have a listen to it. You've really put your own spin on it. And it's not the first time you've done your own sort of spin on these classic tracks. You've obviously done the Marvin Gaye songs. You've done uh, Curtis Mayfield as well, Move On Up. You've done a few versions over time, and all of them rack up massive streams on like Spotify and things like that. What is it about doing cover versions? Do you enjoy doing them? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, we're always bouncing around uh, doing covers and uh, doing mostly originals, but we throw in some covers and... Uh... What I, sometimes I like to cover music nobody's actually ever heard, you know, or like lost tunes from like the soul history. Because uh, there's just so much good music out there that people should actually know. There really is. And there's obviously a lot of history there as well. And, you know, with you and yourselves and your influences, you know, where did your love of funk, soul and jazz come from? Was it something your parents listened to? Was it something that you, you know, grew to love yourself? Yeah, well, you know, my mom, between my mom and my brother, because my brother was, uh, when he was 15, he was a rapper and he kind of produced hip hop beats. And, um, and my mom was all soul, gospel and R&B you know, like, like old school R&B. And so that's, those two things has been influences in my entire life, but they had, uh, between my mom and my brother, our vinyl collection was huge. I'm talking about thousands of vinyl and how I came into jazz was actually because of my brother and my brother actually, you know, cause he had so many different vinyls of different styles of music. Cause he was always like sampling and stuff like that. He ended up giving me a um, a cassette tape. It was the best of John Coltrane cassette tape, and he he said, "I think you're gonna like this." And I listened to it. The first song I, on that album was "Favorite Things," and I fell in love with that with jazz at that point. And so that's been the whole jazz aspect so of my life. But I've had so many influences in my life because. One of our favorite songs, me and my brother, that we used to listen to is Van Halen's Jump. And, and like, in our neighborhood, we were the oddballs for that because that was not a thing in our neighborhood. You know, it was, like, hip-hop, soul, gospel. Like, that was the things that people in, in our area um, were listening to. But we bust out some Van Halen. Everybody look at us like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> not much has changed now, though, really. Oh, Everyone loves Van Halen, but no one wants to admit to it. <laughs> yeah. 
So if you want to get hold of the album itself in that case, then can you still pre-order physical versions of it? And obviously, where can they get hold of the digital version if they prefer that as well? Uh, you can check out our website. is uh, dlo3music.com. That's D-L-O, the number three, music.com. Um, all our information is on there. Fab, and I've seen obviously there's lots of versions available depending on where you are listening and where obviously you can get your music from. I've actually pre-ordered the, the pink vinyl myself here in the UK, so looking forward to receiving that in just a few weeks' time. And when things obviously start picking up and you know what you got planned for 2021, are you going to go back out on the road or are you going to be releasing some more music? What's the plan for you and the trio? Yeah, we, uh, we're definitely... Like, as soon as they give the green light, we're going to be on the road. You know, that's that's our thing. That's what we love to do. Um, but at, at the same time, we're still creating uh, music, uh, working on some uh, different projects and things like that. Start. Um, we got a project that we're working on called uh, we call it D-Lo 3 and Friends, um, which is basically the foundation is Delvon Lamar Oregon Trio. But we're going to invite uh special guests and musicians that we've uh encountered th- uh over the uh, throughout the world that we've come in contact with and you know became friends with that's something to look forward to in the future most definitely it'd be nice to have you back on the show somewhere down the line as well to talk about your future products and it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you delvon and as i mentioned if people want to get hold of that album you can it's available here in the uk on february 12th and you can pick it up and where you can get your music from including Bandcamp and things like that and thank you very much for your time delvon it's been a pleasure talking to you likewise thank you thanks for having me
And there we are from the I Told You So album there. That is their take on Careless Whisper by the Delvon Lamar organ tree. And it's always been great having Delvon on the show. He's always been a really chatty guest and always comes up with some great stories. So looking forward to talking to them somewhere down the line. So I'm just going to play you a couple of more recent interviews now for you. This is a couple of interviews I had with Bluey from Incognito. I had the chance to talk to him twice this year. He's always been a bucket list guest for me and I always wanted to have a chat with him about his music, especially his stuff he's done with Strata over the last few years and just really a guess I always wanted to talk to and having to talk to him twice this year has always been a real pleasure so I'm going to play you both of the interviews I had with him at the beginning of the summer I had a chance to talk to him around the Rochester Castle gigs that were going on in Rochester where he was actually on the same bill as Noel Rogers we're also then going to play the interview I had with him about a month ago as part of the Cambridge Jazz Festival lineup so it kind of was a nice follow-on interview we kind of discussed that summer tour what he was up to in the summer the new album coming out and of course the Cambridge Jazz Festival gig coming up as well. So, going to play these interviews back to back. Going to squish in in the middle a couple of Incognito tracks for you as well, just to break that up. But up next, going to hear now my chat with Bluey from Incognito. Broadcasting on your favourite online station or on demand via Mixcloud, The Funk and Soul Show on the with Jamie Stocker. Incognito, welcome to the show, Bluey. How are you? Good to be with you, Jamie. I'm doing good. It's a sunny Sunday morning and uh, and, and talking music. So I'm happy. Then we have had some really lovely days so far, hoping for a nice summer. And I know you've got a full lineup of things that you're going to be planning over the summer, including some real great dates as well. But just really wondering what the band up to at the moment, what has Incognito been doing over the last few months and really preparing for this summer as well? Well, we've been touring, but at the same time recording, uh, spending as much time as we can in the studio recording a new Incognito album. Fab. And that that we just finished that last night oh wow so okay. it's been full on i've not had much time to rehearse for america and for coming back to england and doing my other band citrus sun at ronnie scott's uh, it's it's a busy period L- lots of world traveling up ahead of me but always ready to play a castle Oh, definitely. And let's just talk about that gig in a bit more detail, really. So the concert itself, you're going to be invited to be involved in the Rochester Castle series, and you'll be in support of Noel Rogers and be playing on the 6th of July. Have you ever played a castle before or ever played in Rochester Castle before? Mainly in Europe. It's, there's, they're, they're, they're into those historical kind of buildings and putting on shows. But we're finally getting wise to the fact that this is a very, a very special place to make music. People like to make a journey in music is the way I've, I've learned to make music in right from the very beginning is to go to special places, allowing myself to to go and record in, in the countryside, in different studios in different countries. So it's no different playing live music. If you're just in a, a, a regular concert hall every time, especially once you've played one, it's, it's nothing fresh and new. But when you turn up at a castle, it's amazing because that they have had to set up something which is not usually there and made it make it work. So the the aesthetics of it is one thing. The changing rooms are usually fantastic because it's like it's a, it's a room that you don't usually have. Is the when there's some green rooms, but castle green rooms are like special, <laughs> and uh, you do feel like you're entertaining you because it becomes your show. It becomes your castle. So you become the keeper of the castle and it's yours for a little while and the, you, you entertain 
I'm entertaining at the castle soon. And you mentioned there around obviously the aesthetics of playing in a castle and how it is to perform in a castle, but just the sound in itself must sound totally different playing in an environment like that. That's right. There is a certain reverberation that, about echoes that sometimes can be difficult in buildings, but it's really weird with castle because usually castle grounds, once you uh, open up, uh, you play in front of a castle, it's usually just green in front of you. It's like there's also all this land. And those the people that are wise about setting up a stage at a castle know not to make it face the castle because it's going to echo like crazy. So you have it as, as a background. They usually put little um, baffles behind us. And it re- it's usually an amazing thing place to play and of course on that Thursday night show you are actually playing with the headliner of Nile Rogers that night and I assume that you've probably crossed paths with Nile throughout your years of playing live performances or have you even shared a stage with Nile before we've done it in lots of countries and we've done it lots in the past and usually uh, on, on the bill when I when incognito back Shaka Khan uh, like we did in Dubai um, it's I've had the, the pleasure of doing some incredible, sh- um, especially festival shows with Niles. And I'll never forget that whilst playing guitar with Shaka Khan, he turned up on the side of the stage. Now, you've got to realize that this is my mentor. This is, I never had a guitar lesson, but practically every guitar lesson that I did have was listening to Chic Records in the 70s. In, you know, that was my way of tapping into New York. You know, it was like the New York session scene that is, and 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 the music that was coming out, the dance clubs, was something that I was into, and he was he was the kingpin of of that scene, and there he was standing on the side of the stage, and I'm looking at him, and I really don't want to play the guitar in front of him. <laughs> I was like, I was I was trying to call him over to take over. Yeah, here's my guitar. You want to play? And he was like, no, 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 go, go ahead. Go. And next thing I know, he came right close to my amp, and he was leaning up against my amplifier. I was thinking, how surreal is this? He's he's a special guy. He's a sweet man. You know, it's, there are, you know, there are dons, and then there there are the the kings. You know, and he's one of the kings. Oh, he really is. And I had the chance last summer when Nile was doing UK shows here and I was talking to a couple of musicians who again had idolised, you know, Nile throughout their entire career and even just sharing the same bill with him was a big moment for them, even that far into their career. So I'm glad you're looking forward to perform with him once again. Yeah, and he takes time to kind of hang out with you, check you on stage and not just appear. He's like, he's there for the entire gigs. And then you'll see him backstage and he'll be coming for a chat. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. He enjoys the life because he lives it. He lives the life of a musician, a, 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 a producer, a, somebody whose who, who music is central to, 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 their, to their being. You know, if anyone uh, has could have the the title on their t-shirt I am music it's him and not forgetting the length of your own career you've been with Incognita now since the very early 80s since 1980 and you've been involved in music even before then so what can people expect from this concert at Rochester Castle and even on your UK and US tours this year are we going to get to hear the big hits are we going to see some new music what can people expect from these shows Bluey we have a little mix of, of everything it's some of it is where we are at the time that we're we, we, you know what we're doing who's in the lineup and uh, we we just the most important thing is to communicate with the audience so you have to have your hits but there's also a way of telling musical stories that their people are maybe hearing for the first time. And if you do it right, if you one playing your music and it's significant to you, you can make that the 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 beauty of good performers is that they make your they bring you into the story. You know, the the story becomes your your story, the listener's story. And uh, I've always felt that. That is the key to live performance, communication. And with the size of obviously the band that you would normally take on tour and things like that, how do you prepare for concerts of this nature? Sadly, we're in incognito. We don't have much rehearsal time because it's such a big band. It's like 12 people and it's come from everywhere. The lineup that's going to be in America next week is going to be a totally different lineup to what you'll see at uh, Rochester Castle. There'll be changes in the horn section. There'll be changes in the vocal section. So it changes. It's one band. It's one giant family. Incognito is not just a team of 12. It's a team of thousands that turns into a 12-piece band at any time. You know, it's like over the years we've collected some friends. (laughs) (laughs) And I like that about Incognito. It's um, it's it's a music collective rather exactly, than exactly. It's also using that pool of friends, as you mentioned there, that you can actually call on and go. Well, I'm doing a gig here. I think it'd be good if I use that person because of the location, or that would be important to them if they can play that gig. And kind of using that mentality as well, we can sort of do things that are important for the people in the band as exactly. well. Exactly. You, you've got Incognito in a nutshell there. <laughs> So let's give the details for people who want to get hold of tickets and for the concert then, Bluey. So if you want to go and see Noel Rogers, Chic, and of course Incognito at Rochester Castle, they're going to be playing there on Thursday the 6th of July and tickets are available via TicketWeb or search Rochester Castle Concerts and you'll get the direct link come through there. And if you want to find out more information about Incognito with any of their US dates and of course the EU dates as well, head over to their website which is incognito.london or if you want to go to their Twitter, it's incognito underscore world and all the details are on their social media there. And Blue, again, I know you're off to the US, you know, very shortly you got that starts the first week in June. When do you actually fly out to the US for those dates? Um, I'm off on Wednesday. We're having a, a on Tuesday night. We're having a playback of the album for the people that were that have recorded it, so we can get in a room and they can hear what they played for the first time, mixed and placed correctly. And uh, it, that's always exciting for me to get involved with the musicians that actually made and and singers that made the record. 
And sadly, some of them uh, will be will be really busy. The one thing about incognito is that the people, when they're not doing incognito work, they're in the theatres, they're on stage, on tour with people. Sometimes they're across the world and you're thinking to yourself, oh, we've got a gig tomorrow in another country and they're on the other side of the world. Are they going to make it? Then they join you. And most of the time, I can count on, on one hand, the amount of times people did not make it all the in very best with the, the tour and again looking forward to seeing you down at Rochester Castle on the 6th of July and it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you this afternoon Blue we're going to finish off the interview playing a live track from one of your live in London albums so just to whet people's appetites to go and see you live but again thanks very much for coming on to the show this afternoon it's been an absolute pleasure thanks for the love and the support my brother
be joined on the line now by Bluey from Incognito. Good afternoon to you, Bluey. Nice to have you back here on the show. Pleasure being back with you, Jamie. And I say we've got lots to talk about with you this afternoon. We're going to mainly talk about the Cambridge Jazz Festival, which is coming up in November. But I wanted to kind of pick up from where we left off before, really. So a little bit of an update from Incognito. We spoke to you back in the summer, just before you were doing the Rochester Castle concerts, and you were pretty much ready to fly out to the US for the US League of this year's tour. Just really pick up from you how, how things been within Codina. How was the tour for you? The tour was fantastic. Tough because we were that we had those some dates booked pre-COVID. So the planning, the mapping of the tour was kind of scatty. We were flying one side to the other and and it wasn't a kind of smooth run. But we had to do what we had to do and and every day playing music to people and feeling their joy after two years of not having music was just amazing. And that you, you you can feel that energy of people who have been missing out. <laughs> and again, when we when we spoke in the summer, you know, we kind of had some hints that there was some new music on the way. But now we know the new album is going to be out. The new album, Into You, is going to be out on the 20th of October. And, you know, it's, it sounded like a really great album. We've had a few singles land over the last few weeks. Just give the listeners an idea of what people can expect from this album and just give us a bit of a preview of what we can expect from this new album. Well, as Incognito always does, plenty of jazz, funk and soul on offer. Um, we decided to make the album for as long as we felt it was it, it was feeling good. And I thought, you know, 10 tracks, we, we'll, we'll reach that in, in no time at all. But it took a little bit longer because we were just feeling so good we kept on recording. <laughs> so <laughs> it's So it's a 16 track album which is a double vinyl. Uh, it'll be out on CD and, uh, of course, on all the digital uh, platforms. But it's a, a record that, in a way, the fans are into us, you know, and it was like for us to say, right, this is a gift. It's We went beyond our, our, our bounds to make sure that we were delivering something really special after this this absence. Four years is mm-hmm. not... Four years is a long time for Incognito. We've got 19 albums. Usually I'm, I am I pump them out a little bit quicker. Uh, but again, you've got some great co- collaborations on this record as well, haven't you? You've got some real great artists and great musicians that you've pulled together, as you always do with Incognito. That's right. Uh, we, we have uh, uh, some f- new faces as well. You know, We have Natalie Duncan and Cherry V, along with some of the regular people, Tony Momrell and Francis Hilton. So it was nice to work with with what I call the kids, you know, I, f- I feel more and more like a like a dad in this band than ever because the the young ones are stepping up now and uh, and it was a beautiful journey for that reason alone. And not forgetting as well, you've had the chance to work with Max Beasley on yeah. this record as well, haven't you? How did that collaboration you know, come about for this particular? Mad track? Max, well, is is always turning up at the studio and uh, unannounced or. <laughs> You know, he's 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 a real character. He's, he's he's probably the funniest guy I've ever worked with in my life. And he, there was a period in in the nineties where he sta- he was living in my house and, and sleeping in in the front room. And the kids used to wake up in the morning. And he's they they it was a nightmare trying to get them out of bed every day. But while Max was there, they were there at the crack of dawn saying, "Can we go downstairs? Is Max is Max up? Is Max up? You know." That tells you a little something about the character of Max Beasley. Yeah. And uh, he was here shooting a, a film with, I think, Guy Ritchie. 
and uh, I managed to get him for two things that were important to me this album but also to do a, a concert a charity concert for uh, Amp Fiddler who is fighting uh, for his health at the moment and okay. um, and and Max just turned up played incredibly well and made us all laugh for a couple of days and uh, that relationship I hold dear and long may it continue and I say he loves his jazz funk doesn't he as well and that always that always shines through it's, it's oh, yeah. good to see and also he's recorded a beautiful new new album yeah it's high, high vibes album it's fantastic yeah, I've I've managed to actually listen to it so far, and it, it, it's really good. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it actually landing. But let, let's talk about a bit more about the Cambridge Jazz Festival. You've got a kind of little bit of a break, you know, at the meantime before you start obviously touring the Into You album, and then we're moving into this one-off date in Cambridge. Now it's not being billed as being part of the Into You tour, but I assume we're going to be probably hearing classic Incognito and new Incognito on this sort of live date. Oh, definitely. It's uh, it's it's. It falls uh, for as far as I'm concerned, it's part of the interview tour. <laughs> so, and uh, that that'll be fun um, because Cambridge has always been a fantastic place for us to play because w- with the with the amount of young people studying there, there's always a, a nice demographic of like mm. the people the people that have been with on this on this journey with you, which is you know a forty four year year journey. For those who was with us from the beginning, and there are, and there's a lot of jazz funkers from that from that uh, East Anglia and for the Cambridge area, mm-hmm. they that turn up at the gigs. But what's really nice also is you get this uh, this young kind of student kind of crowd that we I remember playing the balls, and every time uh, the Cambridge balls were like one of the funnest kind of shows of the year. Yeah. Because we 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 would not we would be playing, but we would also have a have a great time. And I think as well, let's say the venue itself, the junction, it's it's quite famous around here now as well for being a really nice music venue with a nice atmosphere, and it still feels quite intimate, although you've got quite a large crowd in there as well. Yeah, it's 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 legendary. It's 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 a music venue that's uh, for the for right for the all the right reasons. Some incredible people have played there, and it's uh, any any venue that has that quality and and attention to sound and also you know l- manages to to last this long you know my hat always goes off to them and i always love playing places like that because from the time you walk in you know you're in a in a historical in- institution yeah that that embraces music and will go on way way probably beyond my own story I want to say it's going to be a really good evening down in Cambridge. So the Jazz Festival itself starts on the 12th of November. Um, and you know, really the headline act really for week one. It's, they're going to be playing at the Junction on the 16th of November. Um, it's down at Junction 1 and doors do open at 7. And tickets are still available now. They won't be around for very long. They do sell out very quickly. So if you do want to go down to see Incognito, do go down and support them. Tickets are £35. And again, just go and buy your tickets from the Junction website. And Bluey, it's been great to talk to you this afternoon. What What's the plans for next week and the album launch and really getting prepared to then obviously jet off to start doing the interview tour? There's one or two gigs in uh, that we're flying in and out of Europe prior to playing Coco in London, and uh, and and this and this these shows these uh, upcoming shows, but um, it, it, the 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 phone has been nonstop. The Zoom um, calls have been nonstop, <laughs> like this one, uh, and uh, we've got a couple of uh, European TV appearances to make. Um, oh, nice. Hopefully, 
So I'll be flying in and out and darting about. Yeah, I love this because I was born for this.
there we have strata there from their second album or the second ep stratosphere and again really pleased to be talking to bluey this year who was really a great guest and had the chance to actually meet him when he was at the cambridge jazz festival and had a quick chat with him but a real gent and highly recommend gonna go and see incognito wherever you can they are just as good as they always have been so next interview i'm going to play for you now was a couple of years ago and i was talking to will from the deptford northern soul club now they've been around a few years now really doing some great work reissuing some hidden northern soul gems reissuing some of the ones that were never actually originally issued out on 45 and of course well known for their club nights and exploring northern soul music for a whole new generation so the next thing i'm going to play for you is will from deptford northern soul club records which are going to include a couple of the northern soul tracks they have reissued within this interview as well so i'll see you after this chat Broadcasting on your favorite online station or on demand via Mixcloud, The Funk and Soul Show with Jamie Stocker. One half of the Deaf and Northern Soul Club I'm speaking to Will Foot. Good morning to you, Will. Hey, Jamie, how's it going? I'm not too bad. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Ready for clubs to reopen. Indeed, probably going to date the interview quite a lot right now. But, for, you know, first of all, your bookings and things like that for the summer, I guess you're now getting dates in the diary for the clubs to open and things like that. Uh, yeah, well, the, the day the roadmap was announced, there was sort of a mad rush for club space. Um, so it was quite an intense sort of 10 days, two weeks of booking in as much as possible. Um, but we're, we're pretty happy with where everything's at now. We've got we've got shows we want are there and then if anything else comes in it's a bonus so run through some of your live dates later on in the show but first of all let's talk about where you and lewis first met one another and how did the idea of deptford northern soul club come about so i've known lewis since i was two uh we met at nursery i think or even before nursery maybe uh we grew up in the same village in wiltshire so we've we've always known each other we've always played in bands we went to different schools um and we were always kind of but we were always together at weekends, making music or listening to music in some form. Um, and we, we've, we've always gone to festivals together over the years. We were at a festival in 2016, I think it was. Um, and there was, a, there was a DJ playing a lot of Northern Soul, but not sort of stuff we were into. Lewis's dad was big into Northern Soul. And in Lewis's um, hallway, there was a big jukebox um filled with northern soul so we grew up on that jukebox because we wanted to press the buttons you know and get the records spinning it was proper amazing jukebox so we grew up on that and never really associated it as northern soul and then lewis had been spending some time in berlin and going to soul all nighters there and i was sort of just finished university moving to london and so we were like well we want to do something together creatively and musically why don't we start a northern soul night and before that, had you ever listened to Northern Soul? Is it purely down to Lewis's dad? Purely Lewis's dad, yeah. Um, I guess I, I kind of love all sorts of music. And I never really heard the, the the kind of label Northern Soul before. A lot of those tracks, obviously, they're so famous. They sort of transcend Northern Soul. And they um, it's just almost mainstream in a, in a respect. So I, I knew all that. And I mean, I, I'm still on a massive learning curve, I guess. I still That's the joy of Northern Soul. There's so much... And there's so much unheard and there's so much you can always find. Um, so it was a very steep learning curve to begin with. So you've done your first club night back in 2016. And within five years, how have you found the Northern Soul scene itself at the moment between new and old fans of Northern Soul and just in general, the state of the Northern Soul scene? Well, in the very short time that we've been involved, it's definitely become um, a bit more, I guess, not mainstream, but like 
we're definitely being invited to play more bars. I think that's a good kind of measure of where the, the scene's at. Before, where we started the residency in Bunker Club in Deptford, it's very underground. And sort of the, the crowd was split 50-50 between people who really knew their stuff and people who were really just wanting to see what the fuss was about. And I'd say now that we get invited to play at bars and lots of people come down who maybe are just sort of exploring it, it shows that maybe it's kind of moved on to an extent and well not moved on but like in terms of people living in London it's become a, they've become a bit more aware of it I can't speak for there's a lot of nights up north a lot of amazing nights run by young people as well um which perhaps a bit more of like a resurgence sort of nights and they they have an amazing record collections and things like that Whereas with us, our sole focus is is filling the dance floor and making sure people have a good night. So how did your first club night come around then? And what was the story behind getting that going? Um, that was, so our first night was November 2016. Um, and we, we just sort of hit lucky, to be honest. We, we sort of had a vague idea how to promote a gig. We put posters up all around Deptford and New Cross. And... Um, and and the students came, which was amazing. So that it was a big sort of big sellout night for us, um, which sort of gave us the confidence to go into 2017 and try and do it monthly. And obviously, since then you've gone on to have residencies at Yes in Manchester. You've also got your own residency in London, and you've done festival dates and things like that, of course. But what did the idea then for you to then do your own record label? And what was the inspiration actually to do reissues and things like that? Record label was pretty much straight away. It was always our aim. Um, because we got really frustrated that we couldn't afford the records we wanted to play out. Um, we could always go to a record store and buy like a three pound Motown single. That's no yeah. problem at all. But the tracks that we really wanted to play out, um, we, we were just nowhere near kind of, you know, two 20 year olds trying to, trying to buy records. It doesn't really work. You know, some of these records go for hundreds, if not thousands of pounds. Yeah. Yeah. And so we wanted to, you know, we have, obviously we have the digital versions of them, but we wanted to get them back out in vinyl. And I think, well, the label's shown that there's definitely an appetite for that still. And as you mentioned, some of these records and seven inch singles are so expensive. And just run through some of the artists that you've been able to actually do reissues with and things like that. So we've worked with people like Candy Statton. Um, we've done Marvin Gaye releases, uh, Isley Brothers, Garnet Mims, Jackie Wilson. Uh, Sue Lin, um, people like that. It's, yeah, that when you when you say them like that, it sounds like really big names, but it's definitely the tracks. You know, like that Candy Staten track is definitely not what people would associate with Candy, but it's it was some of her earlier stuff that's just been lost. Well, not lost, but it's just super rare on vinyl. So we're gonna take a quick break now. We'll play those two tracks. And first, of all, we'll play Candy Staten. Then now you've got the upper hand, mm. and then we'll play Marvin Gaye, this love star heart of mine. And we'll see you. We'll chat about that Marvin Gaye track after these.
about the funk and soul show. That's Marvin Gaye there with this love star of Harlem Iron. And thought we had Candy Staten. Now you've got the upper hand. I'm joined on the line this week by guest Will Foot, one half of the Deptford Northern Soul Club. And that Marvin Gaye song there, Will, it's got an interesting history and it's only been out, you know, it's only been discovered about the last 20, 25 years, hasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Well, that was, I think that was discovered by Universal in the mid 90s. And it was on a, it was on a seven inch that was a bonus seven inch to a box set or something like that there was it's sort of been known but they never really did much about it um which i guess like labels like motown the archives are just huge um universal have this amazing tape storage facility somewhere in america um where there's just there's reams and reams of unheard soul music and you know it's like trying to break into a Fort Knox or something to try and get in there we, when we get our tape master <laughs> a record hunter's dream right, well exactly they just don't let people in and you know we we get the um when we get the masters when we license them they come from there most of the time and you know we just we just love to go digging you sort of have to go to them and say well this is exactly what we want and they say if they've got it anymore yeah, and I must say Marvin Gaye, there's obviously Woman of the World, Emma Noble done a version of it on her EP. And that was another track, obviously people that had known of it, but it wasn't physically released until 2019. I'm sure there's more of them out there. Absolutely, and I'm sure there's more. There just has to be. There's got, you know, these, Motown was a, I guess, a, you know, it was a factory. They were kicking out tunes, they were recording 10, 20 a day and just seeing what stuck. So I'm sure, hopefully in future, we'll hear more and more. And let's talk about that journey then. So if you've got a song that you really want to hear, where does it actually then start to then actually get it pressed and actually getting a version out there again? It's um, it, it all depends on the track, but in terms of the catalogue holder, the chances are that the three majors are going to have the master rights these days just from acquiring smaller labels and smaller catalogues over 40 years. Um, so Universal own Motown, so anything that you think came out of Motown that you want to release, you go to Universal and go to their licensing department. But it's then it's a question of how long is a piece of string. They can, in some respects, we've had to wait two years for licenses to come through. Um, originally, the Garnet Mims release we did last September was meant to be our first ever release. Uh, but it took, I think, yeah, just over two years for the approval to come through on that. And that's it, as long as I'll have you, isn't it? That was the one. And you've had quite nice steady releases and at the minute you're working on a monthly basis. Are you looking at increasing that at all? Or also, what have you got in the pipeline in regards to tracks and how many requests for tracks have you put through? Uh, so, yeah, we're still going to keep going at one a month um, on average because we've put in 50, maybe nearly 100 requests for tracks that we want. And they sometimes can come through quite quickly and you have to jump on them and take the opportunities when they come. So uh yeah we'll, we'll we'll be up to 12 releases for 2021 um and they're all i mean I, I, yeah i can't really say but they're 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 all special um they're all stuff that we've been desperate for and have been kind of waiting for for a long time uh to come through not to take anything away from the other releases but they all sort of came through a lot quicker um in regards to the licensing so these are the ones we've been waiting for a long time so yeah we're, we're, we're currently well into 2022 when it comes to um things we're going to release so it's all happening and obviously you, all your records available on Bandcamp if they've not sold out i guess that's the best place for people to keep up to date and follow you as well 
Yeah, so we, we, we operate Bandcamp. We really like Bandcamp. It makes it really simple for people as well. They can follow us and um, and just as soon as we release something, they get a notification. So this year we've done uh, Sulin's Don't Pity Me. We did we did the stereo and the mono version on a, on a double A. And then uh, we did Doris Willingham's You Can't Do That. And Pat Hervey and the Tiara's Can't Get You Out of My Mind. There's another sort of double A side. Kings Go Forth One Day. Um, which was actually recorded in 2008, but you just couldn't tell. It's amazing. Um, back with Willie T's first taste of hurt, which is a huge one of our all-time favourites. We've been looking for that one for a while. And you've had some real strong releases over the past 18 months. And let's talk about your actual live dates now. You know, when can people start seeing you? In what locations have you got booked for the summer? Yeah, we've got. Um, we're we're at Moth Club in Hackney on the 23rd of July. Um, that's sort of our first London non-socially distanced show back. And then uh, we're in Manchester at Yes every month um, from August onwards until the end of the year. We're in Belfast on September 10th, uh, which is always a good show. If anyone fancies a trip away, the Belfast shows are always great. Um, uh, yeah, and then we, we buy monthly at Moth Club from September again. And we're also playing Worthing um, on the South Coast on the 4th of December. If anyone fancies a trip there. A little bit chilly after Christmas shopping. Yeah, it might be quite a cold one. But then, yeah, there'll be other things in and around, and it's our fifth birthday uh, anniversary celebrations in at the end of November as well, so we're going to try and do something special for that. And before we finish off this interview, you know, yourselves aside, where would people want to, you know, where do you direct people to try and find out more about Northern Soul Music or just listen to Northern Soul Music and just learn a bit more about the scene in itself? I think YouTube's a wonderful place. You could fall into a... Uh, a black hole of YouTube and Northern Soul and the comment sections, people often type out their stories. It's a lot about, it's how we sort of learnt about um, about Northern Soul. There's uh, there's obviously the films, which are great. Um, there's so much been written about it over the years. Um, so yeah, I would I would say um, avoid Wikipedia and go, th- go through YouTube. You have a bit of an odd audible history of it and so it's been a pleasure talking to you and before i let you go let me know you know three songs that you're currently listening to or three songs that you always go to with northern soul cliff nobles my love is getting stronger i'm absolutely loving that at the moment probably a bit more of a popular one but um still great um irene and the scots i'm stuck on my baby that's really good um proper stomper i call them we like that um and then uh an artist called sebastian williams who did a track called get your point over that was on the Ovid label i can't remember what year but that is that is underplayed and very rare and i wish i had a copy of it we'll finish off the interview in that case we'll play the irene and the scots track i'm stuck on my baby and thank you very much phil for coming on to the show and if you want to get a hold of Deptford northern soul club you can find them on facebook it's Deptford northern soul club on facebook it's the same address on instagram and the website as well and if you want to find their band camp we can pre-order all the things if you type in Deptford northern soul club dot bandcamp.com you'll find all the releases on there and do try and pre-order their stuff very quickly the stuff does sell pretty quick and as mentioned check out their live dates this summer thanks very much for your time will and this is irene and the scott and there that's my interview there with Will Foote from Deptford Northern Soul Club Records and if you haven't really explored Northern Soul or you've never really sort of got into Northern Soul I think Deptford Northern Soul Club Records are a really good introduction to them like they have some great reissues they've got some great quality as well and they do do some nice record store day coloured versions of their releases as well and my first intro to that Marvin Gaye track I'm a big fan of Marvin Gaye 
And that track just blew me away the first time I heard it. And some of the other tracks I've gone through have been ones that have become favourites of mine. So I'd recommend if you're new to Northern Soul, take Will's advice there. Check out those three songs he had at the very end of that interview. And also have a look through their back catalogue as well. They did at some point as well have a nice box set which is available via Bandcamp. I don't know if it is still available now. But again, well worth checking out if you're a fan of Northern Soul or want to get into Northern Soul. So I'm just going to play you an interview I had with Gregory Porter now. Now, this is another one which was done during lockdown. This is in a period where, of course, he wasn't, wasn't able to tour, was still looking at something to do day to day in between doing live shows. And he decided to go on to YouTube and do a YouTube series of f- sort of family and home cooking and kind of like shared his love of music and cooking and combined the two together. So, this is an interview I had with Gregory. We were talking all about that YouTube show and how he got involved with it in the first place. Weight of love on my shoulders. I thought that it would be easier than this I thought my heart had grown colder But the warmth of your kiss I can't dismiss Though my past has left me bruised I ain't hiding from the truth When the truth won't let me lie right next to you But it's holding on And it's holding strong Even though I tried to make it Play the part but I can't fake it It keeps holding on And it's holding strong Even though I tried to break it Heaven knows that I can't shake it Holding on Holding on Holding on Holding on I've seen times that were harder I remember the taste of bitterness Won't you help me, my father? Fall in the love that I have missed Though my past has left me bruised I ain't hiding from the truth When the truth won't let me lie Right next to you But it's holding on And it's holding strong Even though I tried to make it play the part, but I can't fake it It keeps holding on, and it's holding strong Even though I tried to break it, heaven knows that I can't shake it
But it's holding on and it's holding strong Even though I tried to make it play the part But I can't fake it It keeps holding on and it's holding strong Even though I tried to break it Heaven knows that I can't shake it Holding on Holding on It keeps holding on It keeps holding on It keeps holding on Holding on Pleased to be joined on the line now by Gregory himself to talk about the program in a little bit more detail. Good afternoon to you, Gregory. How are you and how's things in California? Very good. Well, today is quite, uh, the, the weather is quite comfortable. Um, it's unusual for this time of year. Normally we're over 100 degrees, maybe 41, 40, 41 at this time of year. <laughs> but it's but it's comfortable and cool right now so yeah I'll, I'll take it indeed we're just getting over actually a warm spell here in the uk so very much looking forward to some cooler weather ourselves here in the uk but glad to hear you're doing okay and for people who may only know you for your musical background in that case share with the listeners a little bit about your background in cooking and also your foundations in cooking as well the foundations of us all in in cooking many times starts with with mama and what what she was doing and, you know, watching her. So I I have to give her credit for allowing me to uh, season and garlic and, and, and roast one of her legs of lamb that that just happened to come out really nice. That was my first spark and inspiration in terms of cooking. But we, I started cooking really early. My sister started cooking when she was nine and she's my older sister. And so I was cooking when I was six, I was handling a knife right or wrong. My mother let us do it. And, um, I remember that there wasn't enough chopping boards to go around for the kids. And I used to slice uh, potatoes on the kit on the kitchen table. And so I put this. So for years, there were all these slice marks in the table. And then and we always said, oh, I did that when I was six or seven. When we became older, it was just kind of the, those marks became, a, you know, a badge of honor, you know, when, when I started to cook. But um. Shortly after college, I started a catering business um, after working in a couple of professional kitchens. I worked at an at a Indian vegetarian kitchen. I also was sous chef uh, for a catering business. And after doing that, I decided to have my own small catering business. And okay. I was doing that for years as well as doing the music. There were times when oh. I... There was a time when I didn't remember that I had uh, this gig and I came to the show in my catering chef's whites with carrot soup (laughs) (laughs) on my chef's whites on the stage singing. It was uh, it was an unbelievable thing that happened. But I I had um, a small catering business and I was cooking at my brother's restaurant in Brooklyn. Um, So, yeah. 
so yeah, I, I had uh, experiences catering for weddings, uh, uh, dinner parties, uh, and all types of events. Yeah. So obviously music has taken over the sort of cooking side of things. Why did you want to now go back and sort of do some cooking and bring it out into the public domain once again? Well, the time, you know, and the grounding um, that happened for everybody during the pandemic, that was that was one thing. And it's actually the one of the most exciting and interesting things that I do after coming off tour. I almost immediately, either if I, if I come in at the night, at that next day, I'm planning on what meal I want to make for my family because I've been away for so long. It reconnects us. And I see so many connections and correlations between cooking and music. This idea of combination of flavors and textures, putting it together to have a one cohesive merry dish and one cohesive sound in a way if you were talking about music i think of it that way also culture adding bits of who you are as a person who your people are who where does your mother come from you know where does your father all of that finds its way into both the music and the food and um in 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 america the diversity of who and what we are and how these dishes have come together over time the Indian and the French and the British influences that, that are in our food. I wanted to exp- express that a bit in the show, but we, we shot six episodes. And, and if I could, and if they will continue to go on and on and on, um, then what, I'll, I'll further express some of those things. The travel. Yes, I was going to mention this. Obviously, it plays a big part within the series, isn't it? And you talk about some recipes that you have come across while you're on the road. Yeah, 200 shows a year. So I'm traveling to Paris, France, to Bahrain, to all of the wine regions in Italy. Uh, I, I remember just my first trip to Kazakhstan and the food that I had there just blew my mind. I'm very, very much into eating the food of the culture that I go into. So when I was in South Africa, they did a, a traditional meat dish and I didn't, I didn't, you know, stick my nose up at the situation. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? You want to be respectful to their cultures and, you know, their food and things like that, don't you? Right, exactly. And of course, you're at home at the moment in Bakersfield, California, and doing the series at home has allowed you to do things with your family. But not just that, you've also been able to do things with local businesses and local delis. You know, talk us a little bit about what it's like doing things around Bakersfield. Very cool, very cool. It was, um, the interesting thing is I went into one of the... Um, the shop and there the proprietor there Gino Valpredo was a guy that I used to play football against and uh, <laughs> I still have like a bit of a like a twinge in my shoulder from from when I tackled him you know 30 years ago but <laughs> that's interesting yeah 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 25 years ago but um I think to include this is made on my food environment uh into this idea of of making dishes influenced by from around the world that was part of my idea for you know, initially for the cooking show, kind of this big plate, small town idea. You know, I tasted something when I, you know, how do I make sticky toffee pudding once I get home? You know, I, I, you know I, this kind of thing. And so to to include some of the local produce and the local butchers was an, an enjoyable thing for me. And the series itself has been on YouTube a few weeks now, and you're just leading up to the grand finale, and you've got a very special show lineup for that sixth episode, haven't you? Yeah, well, the final episode, and this is an example of where the music and culture and cooking come together. I, I'm going to the street. Okay. One of the streets where my mother 
took us as children. My mother was a minister and she, she would go to places that where people were hungry or addicted to alcohol or drugs or where homeless people were. And she would go there to help. And so on, in our final episode, we cooked up some delicious barbecue and I made my family potato salad and we took it to the streets. We took it to the lonely ones, the afflicted ones, the hungry ones. It's the exact example of what I'm talking about in a song like uh, Take Me to the Alley. It's absolutely Take Me to the Alley. It's absolutely When Love Was King. This, these, these are, this is an example of the music following reality or, you know, superseding reality. Um, and I'm proud of that. I think I'm most proud that I, um, I find that I, I, I practice what I preach in a way. And it's a really good thing to do to give back to the community as well, especially while you're at home in California as well. And it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you this afternoon, Gregory. And I hope everyone can go and check out the episodes. If you head over to YouTube and type in The Porter House with Gregory Porter, episodes one to five are available there. Now, the sixth one will be available later on this week. And we've got a full article up on our website. It's funkandsoulshow.com. You'll find all the details there. And once again, thank you very much, Gregory, for coming on to the show this afternoon. And we're going to finish off with a song you've just mentioned there. This is Take Me to the alley well they build their houses in preparation for the king and they line the sidewalks with every sort of shiny thing they will be surprised When they hear him say Take me to the alley Take me to the afflicted ones Take me to the lonely ones That somehow lost their way Let them hear me say I am your friend Come to my table Rest here in my garden You will have fun Take me to the alley Take me to the afflicted ones Take me to the lonely ones That somehow lost their way Let them hear me say I am your friend Come to my table Rest here in my garden You will have
have Gregory Porter there and take me to the alley so that's about it then for me for this year and this part of the funk and so I shall be back here in 2024 with a brand new year lots of great music I'm sure will be released during 2024 and this year there's been so many great artists I've had the chance to work with promote their music and play songs from them as well so I'm going to finish off with just a couple of selection of songs that were released during this year on the road to 2024 have a good new year whatever you're up to and I'll see you here next year
gotta let it all go So that you would know
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.